I spoke last Sunday on change your season in 2024. Today, I want to look at how to do that. Just inspiring someone without equipping them with the tools is not always enough. And in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, there's a familiar verse of Scripture. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Everything has a season. Everything. You're something. You have a season too. But suppose you get stuck and can't seem to shift into your season. That's what I've come to talk about today because that happens actually quite a lot with people. And in Joel chapter 2, verse 17 through 19, there is this passage of scripture that I'll unpack in a few minutes. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. Remember those three things. And you will be satisfied by them. Anybody in this building want to reach a place where your marriage, your relationships, your finances, your health is satisfying. Instead, we often live our lives thinking and feeling as though there's, there's a little more that I've not quite tapped into yet. God said, I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. And where he talks about, I will send you grain, You have to understand the prophetic symbolism of Scripture. Grain speaks of bread, and that means revelation. New wine refers to joy, and oil is symbolic of the anointing. And I want to speak this morning from the subject, how to change the season you're in. Because some of us went into a new year, but we carried the old season with us. And that's not what we envisioned as the year flipped over. And Father, I want to thank you for your word. I ask that you would speak to us, talk to us, help me hide behind the cross because I'm the most insignificant part of this equation, but you matter so much. So would you speak and would you talk to us and impact our lives with the truth and revelation of your word and equip us? And everybody shouted and said, in Jesus' name. Shout it out loud in Jesus' name. We are in an extraordinary season of growth and favor here at Inspire. And we're grateful for it. Last Sunday, all of the new seats we put in, most of those were already full. Parking lot by this time in the service was full. I give God praise. And I I, I love what he's doing. But I'm careful to acknowledge who is doing it. We're, we're human. We're flawed. We're struggling to catch up with God. And uh, so I keep you abreast of some of the things that are being done in terms of the construction so that you'll make allowances when everything is not just exactly right. But we're working on it. 
And we go through these seasons in life where you build your rest. You build your rest. Seasons are a very familiar and common part of our lives overall. Whether we call them seasons or eras or cycles or waves, styles, fashions, periods of time or ages, they're all part of the human experience. And we go through them so often that oftentimes we don't even note their transition. And you can be going through different seasons at the same time, but these seasons affect different aspects of your life. And so people experience all of this in the course of their careers, their seasons. They begin as a learner. We all do. Uh, You become proficient. You develop. You refine your skills until you're an expert, and then you help mentor someone else who's just entering the game. Styles and fashions have seasons. And literally, as I was finalizing my notes this week, (laughs) I put in my notes that styles change so often. I was raised when people wore bell bottoms. Anybody remember bell bottoms? Big flares at the bottom. (laughs) It was funny. And I asked the question, I I had it in my notes, where are bell bottoms? They changed. And then that same day, an ad popped up on my phone for bell bottoms stating they were the newest trend. And really, there's only so much you can do with style. You either widen the lapel, narrow it, do away with it altogether, make the tie wide, skinny, or no tie. I mean, after that, what are you going to do? And they have to keep going back over and over again through this. And so there are seasons in fashion Nations experience seasons, they thrive, they prosper, then they plateau and oftentimes go into decline. No disrespect to Great Britain, but it was once said, Britannica ruled the waves and um, it no longer is the case. There are seasons in a marriage. If you don't know this, it will mess you up because you keep thinking that everything's supposed to be the same. Well, guess what? You're not even the same. And so the relationship can't be. The first two years are what we call young love. Passion is greater than years three to ten, realistic love. And that's when you fall out of love with who you thought you knew and fall in love with who they really are. Some marriages don't survive that. And some people keep looking for the one they thought this person was. Years 11 through 25 are called comfortable love. And that's when you stop trying to remake your companion in the image you want them to be made in. And you accept the fact they are who God made them. Years 25 through 35 are renewing love. And by this time, the kids are grown and gone. And you have to reacquaint yourself with a person who all these years has been changing like you have while you were raising kids and doing careers, and now then it's the two of you. Like, hello, stranger. Have I seen you before? And then from 35 years on, there's transcendent love. And that's when you've pretty much endured everything that life had to throw at you. And you survived it, decided to stay together. And because of that, life gets sweet at that point. You've got someone that's got your back, and you're going to make it. So even in a marriage, what Solomon said is true. 
There is a season. Everything has a season. There's a time for all things. Sports and athletics have their season. A few weeks, we'll celebrate the Super Bowl. It will be viewed by, I understand, a little over 100 million people. Uh, They have the World Cup. As you know, you soccer fans, that's viewed by over 2 billion people. Just so you know that it's a hugely popular game. But the Super Bowl will signal the official end of the football season until it starts up again later in the year. There are seasons and trends of technology. I've got this in my back pocket, but does anybody remember rotary phones? Some of you don't. Some of you have never seen one before. But for, and for those of you who have never seen one, just so you'll know, it's this, round, it's this thing that sits on, on your counter or your desk and it's got a round dial with holes in it and you put your finger in one of them and you turn it and it goes... And it dials the number. These mobile phones are all the rage, but they claim in 10 years these will be obsolete. And that is because of augmented reality or what they call AR and AI. They claim augmented reality will literally replace our phones in just 10 years. Seasons of technology and literally everything. And we're having to adjust and adapt to all of this. And it's fascinating to me because it seems that originally... In the Garden of Eden, seasons did not exist. We know this because in Genesis 1, it says that fruit grew continually. And some people speculate it was because in the original creation, the earth was surrounded by water. All that came crashing down in the flood. But uh, the mist from the ground, all of that created a temperate zone in the earth that was not unlike the equator. Where if you've ever visited the equator, and some of you have been to these places, may even come from them, that straddle the equator, the growing season is year-round. Fruit grows all year-round. Vegetables do. And we do know this, that seasons, science tells us, are the result of the earth being tilted on its axis. And so as it spins around the sun, certain times it leans in, that's summer. Other times it leans out, that's winter. And they say that the earth didn't even always tilt the way it does now. They actually think the whole axis shifted. They found stratification where the magnetic layers in the earth are, are shifted and are polar opposite from one layer to the, earth, to, to the next. And they speculate that what happened is the earth is flipped and they, they find these woolly mammoths that are standing up with green grass in their mouths and in their stomach totally encased in ice, died on their feet. Imagine. And they say that that was because probably the earth suddenly shifted. I don't know. It wasn't there. Amen. Crazy though, right? All I know is before the flood, the inhabited part of the earth apparently was more equatorial. And it stays warm and things grow all year. And do you know, listen up, because I've got news for you. When Christ returns and sets up his kingdom, did you know that Ezekiel 47 and 12 and Revelation 22 and 2 says there will be no seasons after Christ comes back? There won't. Listen to this. Ezekiel 47, 12. Their fruit, speaking of trees, will not fail. They will bear fruit every month. 
Wow. Revelation 22, 2. Each tree yielding its fruit every month. That is unheard of in today's world. But when man sinned, we lost seasons. When Christ comes back to address all of this, you know, eradicate sin from our earth, we get restored back to the original condition. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And you want to know where where seasons were firmly established? After Adam and Eve failed, Genesis 3, the ground was cursed for their sake. And God said that it will bring forth thorns and thistles. And then apparently what happened was as an accommodation of grace, God allowed one season a year. But man messed it up. And then in Genesis 8, at the end of the flood, it says in verse 22... That he said, I'll never do this again. Destroy the earth with a flood. And while the earth remains, the present earth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. That's where seasons became established. And all of that I have said to point out something very important. And that is what we do affects our seasons. What Adam and Eve did in the garden affected their season of continual and constant prosperity and harvest. And guess what? It came to an end. And they no longer walked in the measure of constant blessing because what we do can affect our seasons. And just letting you know this, that that's been the nature of sin all along. The enemies come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ came that we might have life, life, comma, And that more abundantly. And so the enemy stepped in. And just to let you know that if you think sin is your friend, it's not. It's out to pick your pocket. To rob you. And living in rebellion to the principles of the word of God always ends up costing us something. But what it also teaches us in the word of God is that while we can do things to our detriment that affect us negatively... We can also do things that turn out good, that are for our good. And that's the, the text in the book of Joel. Because I only read to you that part where God talked about, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And that I'm going to bring a season of prosperity where your bread and your wine and your oil are going to increase until you're satisfied. But what I didn't give you was the context. Israel was surrounded by harsh, mean enemies. And they were in trouble because they fell into that whole sin trap that I just mentioned a while ago. But what God was telling them was, this can be flipped, Israel. You have control over this. If you really want to fix it, you can. And may I say this today. There is nobody in this building who is serving God. That God doesn't care for. God loves every person in this building. And if you will cry out to God. God will hear your voice. I wish I could hear somebody say amen. And you can flip some things in your life. We can cause that to happen. And this is the heart of the message that Daniel gave to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 2 verse 21 through 22. And he, God... Changes times and seasons. Whoa. 
changes times and seasons. God can change it. God can say, that's enough right there. That's it. The season just ended. A new one just started. All it takes is a word from God. That's all it takes. And he said, he removes and raises up kings. Who am I talking to? You're tired of being ruled and dominated by forces that seem that to you at least that you're powerless to resist. God can depose those kings. God can set them down. And God can say, I'm speaking liberty over your life right now. Somebody in the building ought to give God some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. And Daniel went on to say, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And he reveals, listen to this. This is a word for somebody. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. Mm, And light dwells with him. All it takes to change your world is one download of wisdom or revelation from God. One word, one strategy. Is there anybody in the house that will say amen to that? And so the question is, how do you change your season? And I want to get through this quickly. The the first way is to simply wait. Because if you wait long enough, it's going to be July again. And then August. If you wait, your season will eventually change. They can and do change on their own. The problem is you can sometimes wait a very, very, very long time for a season to change. Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. And found a man that had been lying there waiting for his season to change for 38 years. I need somebody to say, I want my breakthrough and I want it now. I I, want to preach to you for the next few minutes. Come on, is there anybody in this house that'll say, I want my miracle and I want it now. I want my anointing and I want it now. I want my revelation and I want it. I want my joy and I want it now. I'm not talking about being impatient with God. I'm talking about if you have the ability to change something, do it. Do it because God honors you when you do. Jacob told the angel, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I know the sun's coming up, but I'm not letting you go. I want a blessing before this night is over. Before the first rays of dawn come up in the west, I want you to bless me. I want my blessing and I want it now. I want it now. I want my breakthrough. I want my deliverance. I want my marriage to be healed. And I want it. If there's something inside of you that resonates with that, then you don't want to wait. And this passage is significant because it gives us three things we can do where we don't have to wait. First, let me define a term. Let the priest The ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. That would be the porch if we had one out there. Leads into the building. 
This is the altar. In other words, that the people who come inside to do the work of ministry, and I'm not talking about the pastors. We're a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. We are a kingdom of priests is what God told us in the book of Revelation. Put your hand on your chest and say, I'm a priest unto the Lord. That's your highest calling. Amen. Amen. And I need to define that term because God said, come in and weep between the porch and the altar. It was a call to prayer. Prayer can change your season. And I want to go through three things real quickly. Sometimes you've got to cry out to God. I am impacted by the story of Bartimaeus. We read it in the last verses of, uh, I'm sorry, St. Luke chapter 18. And then it flips over into Revelation. I keep saying Revelation. Luke chapter 19. God must want to give me some kind of revelation in this. Okay, here I am, Lord. Amen. And so Luke 18 closes with the story of Bartimaeus. And he's crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples go and try to hush him up. And they say, it's not that kind of party. Shh, we don't do that in church here. But he cried so much the more is what Dr. Luke wrote that Jesus stopped and said, bring that man to me and healed him on the spot. But what you can overlook, because this was not divided by chapters into chapters by Dr. Luke. It wasn't done until many centuries later by a monk in Italy. So you go directly from reading the story of Bartimaeus into Luke 19. And this is what it says. Because Bartimaeus was outside the city of Jericho. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. You know where Jesus was going? To Bethany and from there to Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem to the cross. It was his last time to ever be in Jericho. You got to know when to call on the name of the Lord. I'm preaching to somebody. Not to discourage you, but to encourage you. Even when people say it's not that kind of party. If you need God, call on him. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. This is why we fast 30 days at the beginning of every year and at the beginning of the fall season. I'll give you a quick acronym for pray. All right. Watch this. Pray. P-R-A-Y, right? P means praise, worship, glorify, exalt, honor. Give glory to. You don't come in and just begin, change my season, Lord, and make it all about you. I have a prayer list that I pray through every single day. And it's added to by the intercessory prayer ministry and the needs that I know of that exist. And I pray through this constantly each day. But I have my own needs as well. And sometimes... Every day, I've had this happen for for literally days on end. 
I'll go in and I'll begin to call on the name of the Lord. And then I'll, I'll go down my list and God will say, shh, not yet, not yet. Don't, don't, don't ask me anything yet. Now, I know you're saying the Bible said we have not because we ask not. But let, let me make my point. Maybe this doesn't happen to you, but it does to me. And I'll try to move on after a little while. And God say, no, let's stay right here for a little while. Tell me what you think about me. Tell me who I am to you. Tell me if I matter. Tell me who's the Lord of your life. Tell me who reigns supreme. And I say, you do, God. And I begin to give him praise. And I begin to exalt him. And before long, an hour's gone by. And I get back and God said, no, not yet. I'm not done. I want you to tell me who I am. I want you to give me the honor that I deserve. I have gone... Literally days when God said, not time yet. You say, well, boy, you just encouraged me. You're the pastor. If I call you, you're not going to pray for me. (laughs) No, wait, let me tell you the way it happens. There was a woman with an issue of blood who never articulated a prayer request, who just said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, my need will be met without me even asking And sometimes it's better to get in the presence of God because that's where miracles happen automatically, spontaneously. Who's about to have a miracle happen in this building right now? Who is on the verge of a breakthrough in this place? Somebody give God some praise. Oh, come on, let's take a moment. Let's have a praise break. Somebody give God some worship in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got to hurry. The R stands for request. Ask, seek, intercede, beseech, plead, make known the need. The A stands for acknowledge. And by that, I mean acknowledge God's help. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. I don't know where yours is coming from. I can almost hear the psalmist writing that. But my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And so you praise him. You make your requests known. You acknowledge God's help and goodness with thanksgiving because sometimes what stops you from receiving your last miracle is you haven't thanked him for the one he's already done for you. Hello. And then the why in prayer stands for yield because we want God to change everybody but us. This is sacrosanct, Lord. You can't have this. Change everybody around me. I see problems all around me. Change them, but leave me alone in the process. No, the why in prayer means yield. Submit, honor God's will for your life. And when you've praised him and you've asked and you've given him thanks and you've yielded to what he speaks to you next, amazing things happen. The second thing that you can do that can shift your season In just a few moments, it's when you couple prayer with fasting. Together, they are incredibly powerful. 
And what I didn't take the time to read for you because I don't have time is Joel 1 and 14, God actually began the story in the book of Joel with the distress of the nation of Israel by saying, I'm calling for a fast. I'm calling for a fast. That's what's happened to me this particular fasting season. Before December ended, I told my wife this, told Jerry, that I don't know what happened. Before the year ended, God said, I want you to begin right now. You don't wait on the rest of the church. Oh, I celebrated New Year like everybody else did by being on a plane. Not everybody, I guess. Amen. And so New Year's Day, I was traveling. But, but before the year ended last year, God said, wait and, and don't wait. Do it right now. Start your fast. And it was a fast call of God. And I make no mention of this because I want you to know this. Some fast we just do because it's the right thing. But other times God says, now. And listen to what he says in Isaiah 58 verse 6. This is the fast that God has chosen. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burden, to let the oppressed go free, and that you can break every yoke? You know what's happening and what was happening a few minutes ago in worship? Yokes were being broken. Bondages were being broken. Chains are being broken. Is there anybody in the house that can testify? I felt it. I felt it. I felt it. It's in the house. The liberators in this building. The freedom maker. The way maker is in this place. Look at it again. Then God will be zealous for his land and pity his people. And the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I send you grain. That's revelation. New wine, that's joy. Joy that you just simply can't contain. And oil that speaks of an anointing that you haven't reached yet. And God said, by the time I'm done, if you will pray and fast, you're going to be satisfied. Satisfied. I need somebody to put their hand over their their chest and say, I want to be satisfied. And I want to tell you, when you open yourself up and you begin to ask God to satisfy you, and he begins to give you more of his spirit, all it does is satisfy you in a way nothing else ever did, but make you hungrier for more. It will mess up your life. It will get a hold of you. Deep calls unto deep. Can somebody in the building say, that's right. And I'm done. I want our musicians to come. But, but in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 19, 21, and 22, this is literally what Jehoshaphat did when they were, they were the, the Moabites and the Ammonites and Mount Seirites were stretched from that horizon to that one over there. And there was no way Israel could win. They were like a little flock of sheep in a valley surrounded by trained wolves. That were killers. And they went to God and said, God, what are we going to do? And they declared a fast. And they began to pray. And this was the third instruction that God gave them. Go out worshiping. They did not have to fire a shot. They didn't notch an arrow in a bow. They didn't throw a spear. They never drew a sword. The people of God went out worshiping. And when you combine 
prayer and fasting with worship. And I'm not talking about, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. God, I'm here at church. Doesn't that count for something? I'm talking about when you worship like you lost your mind. I'm talking about you worship like nobody else is around, like you will someday before the throne of God's goodness and grace. You think you're going to be all dignified and all of that in front of the Lord? No. How are you going to worship someday? Why don't you get started on that right now and get in practice for when the season comes, when you... Oh, can I feel what I want to feel here today and express that too? Because what I, what I feel like I need to, to express in this place is that a little more passion added with prayer and fasting. A little more passion in our worship is going to change it for somebody. And do you know when Israel, that little old handful of people, Judah actually, went out and met that army that stretched from way over there all the way to way over there, disappeared on either end, they were so massive, that God turned them against each other. And there's somebody, I felt a word of knowledge just then. Somebody needs God to intervene and turn the strategy of someone who is attacking you into foolishness. God can do it. 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 Well, I've done some things and I messed up and I, I need to, I, I, I deserve punishment. Yes, I look at Lot. The angel blinded the men of Sodom where they wearied themselves to find the door. There was a door, but the angel wouldn't let them find it. I'm not going to stand up here today and say, God, all of us deserve to be blessed. I don't. All of us are perfect. We're doing pretty good. No. What I'm asking is, God, cover the door where my enemies can't find it. Cover the door where the enemies of this church can't find it. Come on, somebody help me. I feel like I'm pouring my heart out right now. I'm talking to somebody that God wants to give a breakthrough to. I'm talking to somebody that's on the verge of changing their season. Stand with me across the building. There's a shift that's going to come to somebody. Who needs a shift in their marriage? I felt this so strong in the first service this morning. And I feel it again in this service. I feel it again. People are already coming forward. I got that. You're welcome to. But there's a business person in this building right now. And you're, you're up against it. You're in a corner right now. And you're not going to get out of that corner. Unless you do those three things that I said. Fast, pray, worship. But pray like I defined it a while ago. Praise, request, acknowledge, and then yield your life. Because like I said, some of us, oh God, get me out of this dilemma, but I'm going to stay the same. It doesn't work out real well most times. 
But there's somebody in this building that's on the verge. Close. You're right on the precipice. You're that near to a breakthrough. And I don't want you to miss it. And Jesus is passing by. I love that because that's what Bartimaeus asked. Well, what's all that noise? I can't see it. And somebody said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing this way. He didn't need to hear anything else. He shouted, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. And they said, shh, shh, uh-uh, not going to be quiet. This is my moment. I've waited a lifetime. There can be long-standing things resolved in this service today. That man had been there 38 years at that pool. You may think that problem will never go away. But I'm here today to declare God can change your season. Our heads are bowed. Who needs God in this building? Raise your hands right where you are. I need you, Lord. I need your help. I need salvation. At home, I want to pray for you. So many hands raised. Father God, I ask you to save every one of those whose hands are raised that need salvation. Thank you for the dear and wonderful people who are here. And I pray this word has been encouraging. And I'm asking you to intervene as only you can with supernatural power and divine strength and ability. And Lord, I pray you'll save every person that needs salvation. We repent of our sins. We ask you to come into our lives. We surrender our future to you and our destiny. We are yours. We're no longer our own. We're bought with a price. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. And let's have a party for everyone that just prayed that prayer. Come on, I can't hear you. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate together. Hallelujah. Now, I've ministered to somebody here, a lot of somebodies. If you're one of those that needs a dramatic shift or change in your season, come quickly. We're going to close the service right here. Come quickly, all over the building. Risers, ground floor, come quickly. We're going to pray. Shift is coming. Change is coming. You can't change it, but God can change times and seasons. And you're his child. And he will change it for you. He will change it for you. He will change it for you. Keep coming. Move in close because there's a ton of people behind you. Amen. Amen. I need some kings cast down, Lord. Can I get real plain with you? Can I just talk to you like a pastor? I'm not going to ask you to respond where anybody will notice. Cast down the king of lust. Cast down the king of pornography. Cast down the king of marital discord. Cast down the king of greed. Cast down the king of violence. Cast down whatever kings are ruining and ruling your life that casts down the king of doubt and say, God, I choose to believe you. I choose to step out on the word of God. 
I want to pray for you right now. And I felt this earlier too. How many are in this altar because you need something to change in the season of your relationships? Raise your hand. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Okay. How many of that is with your kids? Raise your hand. All over the building. Keep raising them. Teenagers, young adults. You may be a senior. I'm going to ask God to reach into that relational challenge and bring some children back. Bring some kids back. I feel such a prophetic anointing. Can I say what I feel in my heart? I will say to the north, give up. To the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name. Children are coming back. 